Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. Uh, Elder John Trombley and I are going to be looking at how to understand, how to discern true prophets from false prophets according to what Jesus guidelines, the guidelines he gave us for that. Well, listeners have gotten used to hearing three voices, mm-hmm. and now we're back to two. Uh, Elder Jelani had to be at work today, so unfortunately he won't be joining us. Um, but we look forward to having him with us again. But I'm here with John Trombley. Brother, we're, so good to be here again with you. We're going old school today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> going back to the roots. Yes. Um, but we're going to be looking at something uh, actually quite pertinent. Uh, we were talking about some of the things happening within even our own church. Mm. Not, I mean, but you see it even at a grander scale in evangelical uh, scenarios about false prophets yes you know we have even individuals within the Taylor area that are clearly false prophets they're in trouble with the law trouble with um, a members discovering that they've been suckered into this cultic kind of a mindset and I'm not going to mention names because of our curious nature right, <laughs> right. people mm-hmm. checking people out on YouTube and uh, being exposed because the reality is this there's this draw from, from the idea of a false prophet in that he makes us curious. Hmm. And uh, that's that's the tension in Jesus here. He's very much aware that we can be easily deceived and curiosity can get the best of us. Um, John, we want to be looking at the Matthew chapter 7. And if you could read for us so that we can get our minds situated correctly, uh, what, what does Jesus have to say about, about false prophets? Sure. So in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 15 through 20. And it says, Beware of a false prophet who comes to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So there's, here's an intriguing thing. Jesus doesn't call out theology. Mm. Jesus doesn't necessarily point to the message per se, but to the person itself. Um, Before we even, I mean, we do this in evangelistic series, right? How many kinds of counterfeit dollar bills do you have? You have gazillions of them. But how many true dollar bills do you have? You only have one. Right. Let's spend a little bit of time setting the stage by actually looking at what the Bible says a legit prophet will look like. Um, why don't you help us out with that, John? So I, I, I always, you know, I always do this whenever there's this these words because you know the word prophet, um, more times than not, seems to have a negative connotation to it these days. You know, so I, so I wanted to go and I wanted to look at what the definition of of a prophet was, and so I found this definition. It says a person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaiming the will of God. And so right away when I hear that that definition, I think, well, it's pretty easy these days to proclaim the word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when we live in the world that we live in, that is, uh, you know, the, the knowledge of God is very limited. And um, people will believe what you tell them if you be, if you come off as an authority <coughs> on God. So so it, it's really easy to proclaim the will of God, but um, Jesus is telling us here, he's saying, but you have to not just 
hear the words, but you also have to do something else. Yeah, I mean, anyone that is confident can say, I'm speaking here on behalf of God. And if they're able to construe a certain, a certain way, express a certain way, they're charismatic. Some people will be convinced by that mm-hmm. and not necessarily by something even deeper than the words they are saying. Um, but actually, Jesus is wanting us to look at something way more core than mm-hmm. that. You know, I think of... Uh, there are a lot of celebrity celebrity interviews, right? Why? Why do we listen to celebrities? For some reason, once somebody gets to a celebrity status, now all of a sudden we want to know the inner thinkings. And I, I really think, especially of like actors and actresses who who we like how they lie to us. You know, if our if they're our favorite actor, that means they're they're the best liar out there, you know, because they made they, you cry. Yeah, they made you cry. You believe the character that they were in. And so you you really like them. And so then now you start to listen to them, which again, you really like them as a liar. So now you're going to listen to their thoughts on life. It's kind of weird. But my point of bringing that up is is that they all have these theories of how you should live and and, mm-hmm. and and how they live and stuff like that and and really ultimately it's uh it all sounds very good it, it all mm-hmm. sounds like they are really nice and you're trying to get to know them by them telling you things they want you to know and so um when we look at this false prophet thing it is there's a lot of nice things being said out there and they sound like something God might say because they sound nice, you mm. know. But uh, what Jesus is pointing out here, and, you know, again, I have to go back to last week where we talked about the, he talks about the narrow way mm. and how it, the backdrop, again, was this this path that got uh, narrower and narrower until eventually there was a gate and eventually that gate closed. And he goes, he, so he's going a step further here. He's saying, you know, it's not just the niceness you have yeah. to know something too. You know, and fruits, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a good gardener, mm-hmm. and uh, I can look at plants and not know if it's a tomato, an onion, or maybe an onion because they're thin and long. But <laughs> right. uh, but trees for sure. Right? And, uh, is that a peach tree, an apple tree, a uh, cherry tree, mango tree? I won't know until I see the fruit, mm-hmm. and it will take time for me to see the fruit. We talk about niceness. Um, how would you feel about a pastor? That in the 1960s, during the heated civil rights movements, this is a Caucasian pastor in California, decides to uh, establish a church, <clears throat> and it's all inclusive. This is back when churches were segregated, mm-hmm. and his church, uh, against the pressure of other individuals, um, he he decides to open the doors to every, not just uh, African American and Caucasians, but uh, Filipinos and Indians and. Um, Chinese and all these immigrants and he creates a church that is, is a representation of what you see in the Bible you know all nations tribe tongues and people and not only that <coughs> he adopts children and he adopts children from minority underpoverished neighborhoods and so his family is you know his own kids but then you see these other children you know including an Asian and African-American little boy and and many other children <coughs> and he's your pastor and he's preaching things about doing justice for the poor. And and when he goes into a, a hospital, he goes into this, even hospitals were segregated at that time. He steps into the wing where the minorities, namely African-Americans were in that, of course, the, that part of the hospital is, is not as up to date as the other side. And he begins to wash people's feet and um, 
do attend the patients and that gets into the news would you and i want to attend and hear a man that does these kind of things these nice kind of things um i'm describing jim jones mm -hmm. i don't know if you know or remember who jim jones were very was. much so yeah mm -hmm. um with time after he created this utopia of christian fellowship he gets everybody into guyana jamestown guyana and of course eventually leads to this mass suicide right um time you know we are a, a culture now that is becoming instant you know faster internet i mean right now i, I read the news about 5g networks <coughs> everybody can't wait to be able to download something you know that used to take you 35 seconds john can you believe it took 35 seconds and now it will take you two seconds to download Wow, what an awesome experience that will be, right? Because right. 35 seconds, we know how torturous right. 35 Waiting, seconds can be. Oh, wasting man, our you know, lives. You can watch my hair grow. In that so we can <laughs> see that mean tweet about somebody. <clears throat> man. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for, us, for a society that is becoming uber impatient and doesn't want to read an article, like you mentioned, I want to read a tweet. Mm -hmm. um, how vulnerable are now we becoming in getting suckered into someone that speaks short-term in a very charis charismatic, authoritative way, appears to have fruits, but in reality doesn't. Jesus warns about a field, there's a prophecy about end time, in which Jesus warns about a field in which in the evening an enemy came and sowed tares. And the challenge, and I, like I said, I'm not a gardener, so I've read this in commentaries, the challenge is that wheat and this other um, plant called tares, mm -hmm. they look very much alike until the fruit comes out. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can tell which is the legit and which is the false, but all that takes time. And that's what in that parable, the master of the field says, when the servant said, hey, should we go and pull them out? And you remember what the warning is, don't, no. because you might be pulling out the wheat mm -hmm. with the tares. Give it time until right. the time of the harvest. And Jesus here is telling us, if you hear someone that is charismatic and is saying things a bit different or unique, um, don't just cling everything or put all your eggs on the message itself. The message may be good, but the person that is giving it may not. And you will not be able to tell unless you give that person time. How much time? I don't know. Um, I think that is something that you know you need to be put in prayer because this Jim Jones situation did not happen overnight. Right. But I think there were some red flags along the way that people could have seen, like the isolationists, the, the pulling away, the creating our own utopia. Uh, that is not biblical. Right. Um, so ultimately, people uh, allowed a, an initial true message to blindside them to things that would reveal the character of that individual. Because Jesus says a, a bad tree <clears throat> will never be able to produce good fruit mm -hmm. now john you and i could say you know good fruit is i don't know how can we define what good fruit or bad fruit is is, is there scriptures that helps us identify or give us orientation into saying that's good fruit mm -hmm. there is absolutely you know god doesn't leave us with uh he doesn't make this one complicated even he actually yeah. gives us a list on this one and you know you're making me think of galatians 5 is that what you yep that where we're headed galatians chapter 5 uh Verse 22, and this is one, you know, I'm not good at the memory verses, never have been, but this is one that I have to remember because it's definitely, I have to go back to it a lot. So do I, to check myself. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I can read it for you yeah. if you like, since you read the initial text. Um, but the fruit, singular, the fruit mm. of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not a lot of a lot of mysterious words here. No. And it's interesting that Jesus places these over the manifestation of the gifts because prophesying is a gift of the spirit along with healing and teaching and even pastoring um, there's many other gifts that are mentioned in the Bible but Jesus says the gifts are not as important as the fruit mm. you know you're making me think of something that <coughs> I, I can't believe they're actually still on TV because it seems like they annoy everybody and that's the TV <laughs> evangelist right mm -hmm. and and this really <coughs> makes me think of that because exactly what you're saying some of them plan, play our uh, claim to have the gifts yeah and yet we're all it's very abrasive because all of us can see the the um, the hypocrisy going on at the same time you know if he's you know they're allegedly touching people and healing people and yet again on their on their wrist they have a watch that's worth more than some of our houses yeah you know so we we're all, uh, there's not a lot of people that dig, I've never talked to anybody who likes a TV evangelist, but yet they're still on, so somebody must. But the point is, is that are they displaying those gifts at, at the same time? Or I'm sorry, the the change of character as they are displaying the, the said gift. And, and fruit is something that, yes, take time, but also once it begins to show itself, it doesn't show up as an apple on, on night number one mm -hmm. or day number one. Even when the fruits begin to manifest, the fruits themselves grow. Mm -hmm. The patience, the gentleness, the self-control, they manifest themselves. And I can tell, you know, as a Bible worker, uh, I still have much of my old traits of being very combative. And when people would um, get, you know, mouthy with me, I, I want to chop them into pieces with the Bible, of course. <laughs> um, Bless their heart. A, so God had to refine that in, in my heart. Um, but there were fruits were there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wanted people to understand that there, there there was after what I would feel remorse that I was not I had not been gentle. I remember going at it with some Jehovah Witnesses, and I was happy that I won the argument. But then I realized that I lost when it came to the department of the fruits. Mm -hmm. I did not represent Christ in my haughty attitude of I proven your point wrong with your own Bible with your own materials. There you go. Now will you accept it? And of course the answer was no, mm -hmm. because <clears throat> God doesn't operate with the wow factor. God does not operate with the, let me bedazzle you into the truth, which is something that puzzled me because that's how I would have probably wanted it to function, even now wanted to function. Um, like in the book of Acts, I read stuff like uh, this gentleman that is influencing a politician to not listen to Paul. And Paul says, uh, you know, you're an enemy of the truth. and pronounces all these declarations against him and the guy goes blind. Mm. Praise God, you know, ah, right. but not everybody goes that way. And sometimes the individuals that are, in, are, are, are uh, grabbing a hold of Paul, beating him up. And I'm thinking, God, this is not consistent. How come these guys are not going blind? How come lightning is not falling down on them? How come the apostles didn't have that capacity to wow people? with miracle after miracle after miracle. Like Paul, you know, he raises this lame person and they're ready to sacrifice them to them as gods. And when they don't, and they realize that they're just humans, in just a little bit, the whole crowd turns against them and starts beating them up. And God doesn't send an angel, you know, to land next to them and say, hands off, 
you know, these are special people. Mm. There's none of that wow factor that we see in Hollywood with superheroes. The apostles were not superheroes because they were not trying to manifest supernatural power. They were trying to manifest supernatural character, mm -hmm. fruits over gifts. And churches, we mimic society in that society, especially today, we become obsessed with the superhero themes. They're becoming the huge blockbusters in that a normal looking person has tremendous gifts, mm -hmm. you know, x-ray vision, stretching themselves, whatever, supernatural strength. And our society is enamored with the superhero theme of you have these gifts, but no one is, is really, you know, uh, enamored with a superhero of, you know, a big ass, but it's not Superman, it's self-control. Right. You know, here's a self-control man. He, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not in that because mm -hmm. he doesn't spend, overspend with his credit cards. His cholesterol is a normal level because he's able to self-control when it comes to food. That superhero, you know, you tell me how much money that movie would make, right? Worst um, movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like an entity called Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> that, that rates movies. They would get the 1,000 Rotten Tomatoes, you know, as far as the most horrible movie ever because we don't value character. We don't value character. We may say we do, but in reality, Jesus knew what he was talking about. And Satan has always used that weakness in ours in that we will get suckered by the gifts. We will get suckered by what appears to be superpowers uh, at the expense of seeing if that person is bearing fruits. Mm -hmm. Fruits takes time. Fruits takes thinking. Um, in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 15 or 17. I think it's 17. <coughs> Paul preaches to a group of Christians in this city called Berea. And after Paul, who creates, does miracles, and he already has a reputation uh, of being a mighty apostle of the Lord. This is the apostle Paul himself preaching to the uh, people in Berea. When he finishes, Paul actually is not offended by the fact that they, they go home and check him out mm -hmm. with the scriptures. All right. And Paul says he commends them. And that's where we get the idea of, you know, you're a Berean kind of a Christian. And we, what, what, what we mean by that is you're not taken by the person. You go back to the scriptures and you observe that person. Where that, was that person manifesting greediness, selfishness, you know, ostentatious, you know, this lavish lifestyle of, you know, diamond studded um, watches, which is a puzzle to me, John, that for some Christians, that's actually the, the evidence that they the are evidence. from God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we, we become a culture of the gospel is a commodity of getting rich. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, the pastor will open to you the keys of the kingdom so that you can have your castle here on earth. And many people get suckered by the prosperity gospel. And Jesus is saying that's false. That's false. Mm -hmm. Because for sure, the individuals that are getting sucked into the prosperity gospel, they cannot manifest the fruits of the Spirit. They're incompatible. Where in Scripture does it say to be uh, that you're a strange or unique people? Is that in Revelation? Um, Peter. Peter? Okay. Um, you are a holy nation. Um, a, I believe that's First Peter. Mm -hmm. Peculiar, people. peculiar people. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> that's that's Peter, and he's quoting from the Old Testament. Um, you know, it, it is interesting that in the Old Testament, which is some of these people falsely twist, God does promise prosperity. Mm -hmm. But you know what? If you read the promises of prosperity, John, they're always contingent upon character. Right. You know, the reason I bring that up is because exactly what you're talking about is. <clears throat> 
we, you know, when, when you hear that you'll be peculiar, I, th you know, I see the world and I think, you know, as long as you're, if you have a little bit of this, if you have a little <laughs> bit of patience, a little bit of kindness, you know, a little bit of love, you are strange. You are peculiar. You are a peculiar yeah. person. And that is what we're called to be. We're called to be peculiar. And, and it's funny you bring up, you know, when you, uh, sharing with people and an aha, you won the argument thing, uh, we we have to walk this fine line once again as as Christians of we have to have the knowledge because sometimes I think we we talk about well we almost it it almost seemed like the knowledge is a bad thing yeah you know because because you got to be loving you have to be loving well Christianity you have to be both you, you have, don't have to be ignorant to be loving exactly exactly and sometimes I think we 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 shy away from knowing things it, there seems to be this it, in the world. There, the world and the church. What are, when I say that, uh, there seems to be this. This. Uh, it's almost better if you don't know things, <laughs> you know. But as long as your intentions are good. But that's not what we're talking about here. So there's this fine line of of being kind of of all of the changing of the heart with the knowledge as well. And Paul talks about this when he says, "If I speak in the tongues of man and of angels, if I have the gift of prophecy." I'm reading out of First Corinthians 13. Mm -hmm. Um. And know all mysteries and all knowledge, and they have all faith. And if I give all my possessions, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. <clears throat> so, but Paul is not saying be dumb, be ignorant, be right. uninformed. Um, what he's saying is you can put the, the carriage in front of the horse and neither one move. Right. Love has to be, the gifts have to take preeminence. And when I study, and, and that's the journey that the Lord took me with the Jehovah Witness. After this particular episode, I went home. I was living in South Dakota, and I, even as, as I was driving home, I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, you misrepresented me. Mm -hmm. You misrepresented me in front of this young man that you've been studying for almost for a whole year. You misrepresented me in front of the, the leader. Um, they will never want to hear anything from anyone from the Seventh-day Adventist Church, mm -hmm. because not because you were I I inaccurate, mm -hmm. but because you were rude, arrogant and petulance you right. were condescending you were annoying you were a clanging symbol which right. is what paul says mm -hmm. you became annoying to them so you know i was thinking about an illustration and i, I people probably have heard my cough i'm still getting over the, the whatever virus i caught i can't be <laughs> so i brought a water bottle with me that is almost empty and when it was the, the water bottle was full i could squeeze it and you wouldn't even know it but now that the water bottle is completely empty Oh, how's that, you know, gratifying <laughs> to the ears? Same water bottle, but it's, if it's without water, it's annoying. Right. But it's full of water, it actually is functional. And the fruit of the Spirit makes you a functional Christ Christian in that it's not about you, but what you've been filled with. It's refreshing. Yes, it is. Wow, I'm, I'm spewing mean things to you, but you're not retaliating. Mm -hmm. um, that's disconcerting. You're throwing me off. Um, when Jesus says, you know, turn the other cheek, that, that requires a stronger level of self-control than any superhuman. You know, think of a movie in which the superhero turns the other cheek. Mm -hmm. that, that means the movie would end in 10 minutes, right? The whole movie is about the superhero going back and right. using all their superpowers to destroy and obliterate their enemy in a very climactic, explosive way. And we think, oh, that's what the gifts are for. And you can use knowledge 
in a very unloving way. Absolutely. And, and the argument is these false prophets, give them time. Watch them under provocation. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how good their message sounds under provocation, their true colors will shine. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> you, I, don't, I wouldn't say go and, and poke them, <clears throat> say nasty things to them to say they are patient towards you. <clears throat> but simply give them time. Um, because the, the, a prophet that claims to have a specific message from the Lord will manifest the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruits of the Spirit take time. Tears and wheat seem almost identical until mm-hmm. you give time for their fruits. And time and time again, these individuals that, you know, manifested, I remember in Bolivia, this guy showed up from Cuba uh, with this message, this end time message that, you know, apparently was bringing a revival within churches. But in reality, what he was bringing is fear. People were selling their possessions and moving to the country. He was bringing the gospel of self-preservation. He wasn't calling it that. He was calling it the, the message of revival and reformation. And many people left um, their homes, their jobs, their occupations, pulled their kids out of the schools, moved out into the country to wait for Jesus to come. And about three or four years later, that man that was traveling constantly was discovered to have had um, to have left his wife and his kids and was now was, li- was living with a younger lady. Mm-hmm. Give time. And it may not necessarily manifest in this way, but in finances, money, um, no person under the power of the Holy Spirit can withstand the temptation of greed, the temptation of lust, the temptation of anger. So Jesus says here something that gives us assurance. A tree, a good tree cannot produce but good fruit. Mm. A bad tree will never produce love, joy, peace, patience. We may fake it for a time, mm-hmm. but eventually the true colors come out and you'll be able to discern. And honestly, John... <clears throat> Would you want to eat from a field in which you may be eating wheat and tares that will make your stomach sick and may destroy your liver and kidneys? Or would you want to eat from a field that is only wheat? Right. Obviously the wheat. So where do you get your spiritual information from? Where are you choosing to go? Facebook? YouTube? You know, is that where you're going searching for spiritual knowledge? And I'm not saying that, you know, you cannot find good stuff. But what I'm telling you is that you can also find a lot of stuff out there that can mislead you, misguide you, and you won't know it until it's too late. Right. And um, if you're being isolated, if what you're listening to spiritually is isolating you from your family, is isolating you from your church family, um, and there's no church that is perfect, I would caution you that those are red, some red flags. If you're listening to people, if these messages, you're spending way more time listening to sermons than studying the scriptures, I think that's another red flag right. mm-hmm. um, because if I'm listening to someone, it should lead me to better studying, deeper studying. Be like the Bereans. Check out what these persons are saying. And ultimately, you know, John, we need to give accountability for ourselves. I think that the ultimate um, responsibility that we have is you have a Bible before you. Claim the promise of the Holy Spirit that he would lead you into all truth. In John chapter 16, Jesus made that promise to you. Open your the scriptures. Read and read until you understand. John, you mentioned earlier how, you know, we, we are in a society where charisma and an authoritative um, demeanor will carry thousands astray. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that way. There was a time when most Christians, in this country at least, had a Bible and actually read it. Right. And didn't just read it, but read it to understand. And as a pastor, 
it breaks my heart to tell you this, John, that more and more so I'm seeing how the hours spent in front of the television, the hours spent in front of the computer, the hours spent in front of video games has atrophied our minds in not simply being able to read the words but understand what they're saying. So this warning of false prophets is very real and you and I are very vulnerable to it. Um, in Michigan right now, we are experiencing some churches losing members to false prophets coming with these false messages. Um, are you taking care of your mind? You know, what are you investing your time? Um, I've even <laughs> uh, been cautious to say, you know, there's a, good, a lot of good things on 3ABN and the Hope Channel, but if that's all you're doing is watching those and not spending time in the Bible, you are becoming prone to just believing what someone else says, mm -hmm. getting it secondhand. John, you, you came from a background of atheism. Um, how did the Lord lead you to being now a Christian that you don't take stuff at face value just because someone tells you, you check it out yourself. What happened in your journey that allowed you to be now a Berean, someone that checks stuff out in the Bible? Well, I mean, I always had that curious mind, I guess, but uh, if something, you know, that you ask that question and the answer isn't, well, I found this one thing, but really it was all these things that we're talking about where there was this misrepresentation of God. There would be a hypocrisy. Mm. And for that kept me away from God for the longest time. And so I would see the exact same things that, by the way, everybody else sees. You know, uh, one of the things that still makes me angry today um, is being lumped in with everybody that we're talking about here mm. as far as, um, you know, the false prophets out there, those who have who have been exposed to be hypocrites and stuff like that. And, and then we get lumped in there, too. Mm. And, and that still drives me crazy. <laughs> and, and the reason it drives me crazy is because you haven't looked out, you haven't looked at it for yourself. You're mm. making this opinion and you haven't looked at it for yourself. So to answer your question, what for me, what it was is that, uh, you know, I had a, a friend that that wanted to come here and I wanted to find the hypocrisy because I didn't want to lose my, my drinking friend, basically, you know? Mm. So I came with him so I could point out the hypocrisy. In the word, in this particular denomination, they showed it from, the, the, from God's word mm. and I couldn't refute it because mm. it was from God himself. It wasn't this, like you were saying, a charismatic guy up there that was, you know, hitting all the right buttons. It wasn't that at all. They, uh, I was shown the Word of God. And so uh, that's what brought me to mm. where I'm at. And, and so now, again, that's what I want others to see, that <coughs> not to believe the lie that you've been taught, ultimately. You, you came, you heard, and you were not able to argue against. Mm -hmm. My question is going to go a step further, John. That was how many years ago? 15? 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Today, you are someone that in a few months will be doing the very same thing. Someone did for you. Yeah. <laughs> so 15 years ago, it, God has taken you on a journey. My question is going to be very specific, and I'm sorry if I catch you off guard with this, but um, what has helped you understand the Bible for yourself? Mm, I mean, it's just... Uh the the continuing study obviously praying for the holy spirit to guide and and all those things what uh but it's the the always staying with it always being with the scriptures always praying always being with the you know with christ always being with god yeah now i hope the listeners have heard what you just said even though it's implied 
you the first time you read it after you were able to hear this message, my great hunch is that when you open that Bible, you did not understand much of what was being said sure. there. Mm-hmm. That was my journey. And I think that is everybody's journey. And we need to just make, put that out there in a very open and honest way. Yes, you will not get the Bible the first time you read it. No. Which means that you have to continually press on and reading it because the assurance is that the dots will start to come together in your own mind. Sure. And, and, and as you just said, you know, yeah, I'll be putting, I'll, I'll be uh, doing the evangelistic series here soon, but I'll learn stuff after that. <laughs> and I'll feel dumb about doing the evangelistic series. I, I mean, I, I know that <laughs> because it happens all the time. Amen. Me too. I, I've grown every time I've done them. Um, and there's always new insights. Um, I want to close with these these two thoughts because we're talking about fruits. Mm-hmm. And you, you emphasized, John, I'm glad you've emphasized the centrality and the importance of the Bible. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be able to discern the fruits in other people, we need to have experienced them ourselves. Amen. Right. I can't. I've never. And I. I was uh, at the camp meeting, and Pastor Doug Bachelor introduced us to a fruit that I forgot the name of it, but it looks like a like something a cat coughs up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> not very appealing. Mm-hmm. But he cut it open, and it looked like a big grape. It mm. tasted delicious. It was the mixture of an apricot, a grape, and something else. I don't. I don't remember the name of it. <clears throat> but if I would have seen that at a supermarket, I would have never bought it. Right. But now that I know what that fruit is like, now when I go to a supermarket and I see it, I'll buy it. If I don't know, if I have not experienced love, joy, peace, patience, it's going to be very difficult for me to to discern it in someone else. But there's two elements, beautiful, simple elements that in this idea of fruits are, are mixed together. You need rain, and we talked about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is compared to rain, and Pentecost is compared to the, the early rain. Right. But it doesn't matter how much it rains on a soil, if there are no seeds in the soil, will there be fruits? And in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus says, The seed is the word of God. If you want fruits, the spiritual fruits in your life, you not only need the Holy Spirit, but you need the word. Amen. The Bible says that he would lead you into all truth. And in John chapter 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth Mm. the holy spirit cannot guide you into truth unless you're exposing yourself to it the holy spirit will not be able to produce fruits in you unless there's a seed there in the first place and that seed is the word of god so don't get discouraged fruit takes time but you know that if you ever tasted a delicious mango or a delicious pineapple the fruit is worth the wait